Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Take a journey with me this morning. I know I ask you that a lot, but I'm really sincere. I don't want to preach at you. I want to preach. I want the Lord to speak to us, preach to us today. Amen. The book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. This is, it's a significant day in our calendar year. A time of commitment and a time of communion. And, and uh, I just appreciate what the Lord has done already right now to this moment. I feel like the stage is set. And uh, amen. I feel like the stage is set. So please stay connected to the presence of God that you feel. And let's let the word of God now, the spirit of God has touched us. But now can we let the word of God touch us? And, and I think there is a significant difference because there's a lot of people that are addicted to the spirit of God, the presence of God. But when you move on to the word of God, they've got other things to do. Amen. But it's the word that's going to keep us. It's the word to keep us. Job sought for his presence and couldn't find it. Amen. I'm talking to people today that's walked through seasons when you've walked through the very same valley when you couldn't feel the presence of God. You had his word to hold you. Amen. Philippians 2 and 6, the Bible says, who, speaking of Jesus Christ here, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Today I just want to, my subject this morning is simply this, he came to me. Amen. Would you say that with me? He came to me. You say that again, which he came to me. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. He came to me. He came to me. Amen. 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 Oh, I feel a holy presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. I have, I'm just going to say it today, and I mean this sincerely, I'm not cutting up. I have more notes than I have time because I just felt like the Lord kept pouring into me and pouring into me and just pray that God will help me to get it across in the way I feel he has given it to me. God bless you and you can be seated. When I read this passage and consider the magnitude of these words, I am deeply moved that God would robe himself in flesh come to earth walk among men 
for the sole purpose of building a bridge, a bridge called reconciliation. He came to reach for us. Sin caused the gulf to separate man from God. And we read about this separation in the Genesis account of the fall of man. Paul's writings, however, caused me to consider the words uh, of the psalmist David. Paul is talking about made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found and fashioned as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, but not just to hum- did he become a man, but he became a servant. He didn't just humble himself to death, but the death of the cross. There's this emphasis of these things. There's a highlighting and an underlining. And so no, no wonder then the psalmist David and we could join him today and say, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Today I have felt such a rich presence of God. I want to share a few things with you um, and I just pray that the Lord can help us today. I, I, I feel that, that what is man. I feel that who am I spirit in my heart today. I can't ever seem to put in words the feeling that I get as we draw closer to our communion service. There is a part of me that certainly has an overwhelming sense of praise and worship and exaltation and a spirit of thanksgiving. I want to fill my mouth with words of adoration. But at the same time, there is another part of me that feels a deep sense of humility that the Lord would come to me. In these moments uh, of those conflicting, um, um, uh, in these moments, these conflicting emotions just seem to pour through my soul. I, I know that we have been in a great spirit of praise and worship and thank to our, thank to, thanks to our praise and worship team. They don't just lead us with excellence, but they lead us with deep spiritual sensitivity to the presence of God. Amen. I'm moved when I think about that the Lord would touch me, me. And that is the emphasis today that I want you to just let resonate in your heart that he came to you. He visited your home. Your heart, he touched you. When, when we seemingly were as far away from God in many cases as we could possibly be, the grace of God just intervened. Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift, it is the gift of God, amen. Acts 2 talks about the Holy Ghost being a gift and so we have this gift Titus 3 and 5 says that we are saved according to his mercy. That's why we're here. It's not because of our merit, not anything that we have done. It's not something that we could ever boast of. And it's not something that we could write down. We can't hold up a placard of anything that we did to merit salvation. And so when I read the passages of scripture that speak of his mercy saving us, it forces me, it forces me to personalize these passages and bring these passages into a laser focus, and that is my challenge for you as well. To speak in broad and general terms, like the Lord came to save the world. We believe that. We say that as a matter of fact, and it is a matter of Scripture. 
He doesn't want any to perish, but that all would be saved. All would be would come to the knowledge of the truth. But when we speak or sing, teach or preach using these broad terms about saving the world, that leaves a lot of room in our minds for this audience of the world to become in a moment nameless and faceless, just a glob of humanity, just a mass of people. Amen. However, when I stop to think about that God didn't just come to save people in general, but that he came to save me. <laughs> he came to save me. I was asked yesterday, I was asked to write an article for our children's ministry. And, and so when I was sitting down, I just began to think and my mind just went back to many years ago at the, at the age of nine and standing down in the front of a camp meeting service, I lifted my hands and the Holy Ghost came into my heart and I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. My mother didn't teach me to say that. My dad didn't school me in, in what to do, but it was the Spirit of God that began to move in my heart and in my life. Amen. At nine, no. No, I didn't have it all together. I didn't understand everything that there would be to know about God and made plenty of mistakes from that moment in my teenage years trying to get my feet up under me. But I want to tell you that God planted something in my heart that I could not get away from. And every time, it wouldn't matter how far my eyes were looking over the fence or how far my heart was longing to go over the fence, there was something in my spirit deep, a seed that got planted that night. Amen, it got planted that night. And I, I was so thankful for the man that preached. I was so thankful for the power of that message. I can't tell you what he preached about, but I can tell you there was a holy anointing in that house that night and it left a forever change in my heart and life. And so when I stopped to think that he didn't just come to save the world, but he came to save me. That makes it a little bit different. He came to my house. It places a much greater burden in my heart. Our text says of Jesus Christ, Philippians 2, 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Paul pointed out that Jesus Christ was in the form of God. Paul was declaring that Jesus was the very essence of God. In his incarnation, he embraced full humanity. Philippians 2 and 7 says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Hallelujah. Even though Jesus was fully God, he deliberately limited himself Amen. He deliberately limited himself when he took on that robe of flesh. He took on the form of a servant and he subjected himself to the death, not only the death, but the death of a cruel crucifixion. As God, he could have asserted any of his rights or all of his rights. Amen. Of deity. Nevertheless, as a man, he surrendered that right to manifest himself in God, as God in all power. I could give you just a couple of, of quick examples. When Satan tempted him out of the wilderness, he said, if you are who you are, you can make these bread, these stones bread. Satan was right about that. He wasn't almost right. He was dead on right about that. He could have made those stones 
bread. He could have made those stones anything he wanted them to be, but he limited himself. Amen. When he was on the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels to come to his side, but he limited himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he was on a mission and that mission was to build a bridge. That bridge is called reconciliation and that bridge was used to come to not just the state of Florida or to the United States of America or to any other country or any other dot on our globe. He came to our heart. He came to our mind. He came to me. Would you say that with me again? He came to me. He found us in various sundry places. Hallelujah. The Lord found me at a camp meeting, but that's not everybody's testimony. The Lord may have found you in in places that you don't even want to think about. You don't even want to go back to that moment and place in time, but aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he wasn't afraid of the mess? Aren't you glad that he wasn't afraid of the stench? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, they were saying, you don't don't want to do this. He's been in there four days. I remember years ago, Brother Mike Williams preached a message entitled, The Stink Won't Stop Him. Hallelujah. And the stink didn't stop him. He called him and he called him out stink and all because he came to him. The uniqueness, the uniqueness of God transcends anything that we know in this world. He humbled himself by descending and being embodied in flesh, but not just any human. The scripture says that he took on the form of a servant. He emptied himself of self-interest. He emptied himself of self-agendas. He emptied himself of a lot of things. Amen. John 1 and 14 lets us know that he was God manifested in the flesh. All of this that we, you and I, might be redeemed. We were a prisoner sentenced to death. We were the person that David spoke of in Psalms 51 and 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. However, the power of sin had to give way because he possessed a power and an authority to set men and women free. I'm preaching to people today that tried to set down vices of sin on your own, but they were too large for you. You tried to rid your life of things before, amen, that you knew were unhealthy and were destroying you or perhaps even your family, but you didn't have the power over hell. You didn't have the power over sin, but when Jesus came on the scene, (laughs) when the Lord came on the scene, he had the authority to set us free. He has that power. He has that power and we are reminded of that power in Philippians 2 and 9 that he has given him a name above every name and that name is Jesus and we know that name. We've been singing about that name and when you preach that name and begin to sing that name, when you begin to state, say that name, whisper that name, holler that name, whatever it may be, there's something powerful that energizes in the spirit and the soul of someone feel with his spirit because we know the ultimate authority of that name. Amen. The name Jesus is not just a title or, or some ordinary label but it is the ultimate saving name of God. Verses 11, verses 10 and 11 of Philippians 2 confirm the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he would be declared the king of kings 
and the Lord of Lords. That at that name, at the name of Jesus, the scripture says, every knee should bow of the things in heaven and the things and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. Although, although at the final judgment it's gonna to be too late for them to attain salvation, hear me. Even the atheist is gonna declare that Jesus, amen, is gonna bow. Amen, they're gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's gonna be late, it's gonna be late, it's gonna to be too late. But the blasphemer at that last judgment is gonna to have to bow and they're gonna say Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen, everybody that's ever tried to persecute or even prosecute the church, I'm gonna tell you it will be too late at that judgment time but they will bow and they will say he is Lord I'm going to tell you today I don't want to wait till it's too late I want to go ahead and say I accept you now amen Jesus as my Lord and my Christ Jesus is my salvation and Jesus is my hope and Jesus my God hallelujah Jesus my burden bearer Jesus my way maker I'm not going to wait I'm not going to wait Amen. I'm not going to let the rocks cry out. I'm not going to let a stranger cry out. I'm not going to let somebody else take my place in the choir. I want to declare that he is Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. To God be the glory. Let's clap our hands to him. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I don't want to fail in any way to lift my voice and thank God for saving me from a life of sin and sorrow. Jesus Christ hung and died on that cross, but he didn't stay on that cross. He was placed in a tomb, but he didn't stay in that tomb. He rose from the grave that he might come back again. John 14 and 17 says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. He's talking to his own. He said, but ye know him. You know him, for he dwelleth with you. He dwelleth with you. Oh, that's awesome. You know him because he dwells with you, but he didn't stop there comma, and he shall be in you. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a purpose. There's a madness to the madness. There's gonna be some pain and there's gonna be some sorrow and there's gonna be some disappointment and there's gonna be some tears and there's gonna be some unbelief. I don't know how those men and women must have felt truly in their heart to see their Savior, the one they had forsaken all to see him draw his last breath, to watch his body taken off of that cross, wrapped, placed in a tomb. It was a time of despair. It was a time of confusion. And all we'd have to do is just put our feet in their sandals for just a moment to say amen, to think that all your hopes and dreams had all been dashed, hallelujah. But there was a promise. He said, you've been with me but I'm coming back and I'm gonna be in you. They couldn't comprehend that, didn't understand what that really meant. They understood or they really uh, could recognize the writings of Isaiah and of the prophets that talked about this and Micah and the like, but they couldn't really comprehend it, but there was coming a day that they would realize and look at one another and say, this is what he meant. He was with us, but now he's in us, hallelujah. And this is why I'm trying so hard 
with the help of the Lord today to drive home a point. Our salvation is personal. It's because his spirit is in our heart. Would you say it with me again? He came to me. He came to me. He came to me. He came into my heart. Hallelujah. The old children's song that says into my heart, into my heart. Come Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Can I tell you today, if you have the Holy Ghost, we ought to lift our voices every day, every moment of every day. A praise ought to be, a ready praise ought to be on our lips. A ready praise ought to be on our heart. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, today I've got good news for you you're in a house full of people but believe it you're in a house full of people that preach it you're in a house full of people that have experienced it oh yes 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 amen it matters not what tradition says it matters not what others say the Holy Ghost is for you today it wasn't just for them then it wasn't just for your grandparents or another generation before us but the Holy Ghost is being poured out today all over this world and it can happen in this house today, 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 today. Hallelujah. Amen. Ephesians 3 and 7 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I want to forever hold fast the truth of Hebrews 4, 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. We serve a God that understands how we feel. He understands what we face in life. All points tempted like as we are. Amen. I'm going to define that as literal as the scripture has it for us. That whatever I feel, he has felt. Hallelujah. When I've been discouraged, I have to feel that he has experienced the same thing. The word says it. Amen. When I feel lost, when I feel that I've come to the end of myself, I've got to understand I'm serving a God that I can go to without shame, without remorse. I can lift my hands and say, Lord, you know, you know. Amen. In the garden of Gethsemane, he had given everything he could give. His sweat had become great drops of blood. Oh, take this cup from me. This is too much. This mountain's too high. This valley's too low. But somewhere in the pressing, somewhere in the pushing, somewhere in the piercing he popped through the spirit and was able to say nevertheless not my will but thy will be done hallelujah I'm preaching to men and women today who have been there I don't know if I can climb this mountain I don't know if I can go through this valley I don't know if I can take this path I don't know if I can hold up I don't know if I can bear up but somewhere we got the courage and the guts to say but Lord if you'll just give me strength one day at a time, one hour at a time, one situation at a time, one chapter at a time, I'm still going to serve you. And you know what? You know what? Pardon me for being personal, but as your pastor, I've known many of you of what you're going through and when you were going through it because we were praying with you and I saw you. Amen. You come walking through that door at church time and you walked in with your Bible in your hand. You found a place to sit down and you didn't sit down there like lonely Lucy. 
Amen. But you lifted your hands when I know your heart was broken. You lifted your voice when I know you wanted to curl up in a corner somewhere. But you said, I know that in my praise, I'm going to find the strength. And you know what we did? You did. Hallelujah. We just kept singing. We just kept shouting. We just kept believing. Hallelujah. We weren't ignoring the storm. We weren't ignoring the giants. We weren't ignoring the elephant in the room. But we said, we serve a God that is greater. And when we couldn't come to him, hallelujah. And when I couldn't get to him, he came to me. When I couldn't find him, he found me. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, 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 my God. You read. You read the cruel crucifixion passages. We think about judged, judged unduly and unfairly. Oh, accused of things so innocent of. Oh, the great penalty. The great penalty. How it must have felt to bring a thief, a murderer, someone deserving of crucifixion and compare them side by side. We'll trade you one for the other. Oh, no. No, let the, let the, let the murderer, let the thief... Let the, let the deserving man go free. Crucify him. Crucify him. Amen. And then, and then the scripture says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He just kept walking. He just kept walking. Despising the shame Am I in the book? Despising the shame. We, we, we didn't know anything about shame. We didn't know anything about shame when we're free, reading first in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Nothing about shame. Paradise. Wonderful. Power. Move and presence of God. Creation. Let there be. There was. And then the serpent at the tree of life deceived Eve and in, and in turn Adam was deceived as well. And then the Bible says, in the cool of the day when God came to visit with them, they were hiding. Shame was born because sin entered in. Because sin entered in. Shame was born. But on the way to the cross, he despised shame. He put his foot on shame. Amen. He put his foot beneath shame. He put shame behind him. Amen. There's people here today that have felt the shame of sin. The weight and the sorrow and the disappointment that comes with sin. But aren't you thankful you've been set free from the shame? Amen. It's sad to me. It's sad to me that some people think serving God just comes with too high of a price. I've been told that many times over the years. I just don't know if I can do that. It's just a high price. That's what they were trying to say. It's just a high price. I don't know if I can serve the Lord. It's just a high price. 
But I ask you and ask them, have you ever assessed the true cost of sin? Have you ever just run the numbers? Have you ever just crunched the numbers? Have you ever just did a chart comparison? If you think it's, if you think it's a high price to serve God, oh, it pales in comparison to the price of sin because sin will cost you more than you intended to pay and sin will take you further than you intended to go. Amen. And I will tell you this, that just because you're through with sin doesn't mean sin's gonna be through with you. I've talked to too many people bound by alcohol. They said, this is not fun anymore. This is not fun anymore. But sin wasn't through with them. They were through with sin. I want a way out. I want a door out. But sin, he went, wasn't through because sin comes with a high price tag. Throughout, throughout the Bible, we see the Lord asking questions to mankind. To Adam and Eve, I just referred to that. He asked, where are you? To Cain, he said, where is your brother? To Moses, he said, what is that in your hand? To Jacob, he asked in this wrestling match, what is your name? To Elijah, sitting under a juniper tree, he said, what are you doing here? To the disciples of John that were following him, he turns and he says, who are you seeking for? To Simon Peter, when this great conundrum was going on about who he was, Simon, Simon Peter was looked at by the Lord and the Lord said, who do you say that I am? To the lame man at the pool, he said, do you want to be made whole? <laughs> to Mary, to Mary at the tomb, he said, why are you weeping? The Lord has a lot of questions. There are many, many more, many more in Scripture. He was always asking questions, but I would submit to you that the ultimate question of all time, and I know that's a big, big statement, amen, but I believe the ultimate question of all time was posed in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It, was an, an, it is and was an unorthodox setting for such a life-changing question. The setting is referred to in four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John help set the scene. This is what is referred to as the Last Supper. It was what was taking place the night before the crucifixion. The gospel account speaks of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. They were stunned. They were embarrassed. When he knew supper was done, and when he knew that his time was come, the Bible says he rose, took off his garment, and he took a towel, and he girded himself with that towel. What are you doing, Lord? Where are you going, Lord? What's all this about, Lord? when he knelt down before them and began to pick up their dusty, dirty, and crusty feet and wash them, embarrassed, embarrassed, stunned, filled with questions. However, this moment wasn't really about their questions. This moment was about one powerful question that was still pressing in the heart of our Savior. And we find that question at the end of all of this, John 13 and 12, Jesus asked them, do you know what I have done to you? Embarrassed, awkward, it should be us washing your feet, not you washing our feet. What is this all about? What is this all about? We're uncomfortable with this. We don't know. This is unorthodox. This is out of the bounds. This is out of the norm. 
I don't know what's going on. And Jesus just looked at them and said, do you know what I have done to you? Do you get it? Do you know? It seems that one of the greatest concerns of the Lord, you can find this thread all throughout his earthly ministry and certainly toward the close. It, was, it seems like a great concern were that people would forget him. That seems odd, doesn't it? Because he's talking to, to those that were there. But there was this great pressing concern. Do you know what I've done to you? I need you to help me press now. Amen. I feel something wanting to push against what the Lord's wanting to do. I'm thankful I'm not alone. Amen. Let's pray. In Jesus' name, I'm asking you, Lord, by the authority of the Holy Ghost, God, you're going to do something in this house. You're longing to do something in this house today. Amen. Hell is wanting to push back against this, but we're not going to have it. We're not going to have it, Lord, because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And by the authority of the Holy Ghost and by the power of the Spirit that abides in us and in this house, we take authority over anything that would disconnect us right now. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stay with me now. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stay with me now. Jesus said, do you understand what I've done? Do you understand this moment? Do you get it? Do you get it? Think about this with me. These were men who were there when the blinded eyes were open. They were there when the deaf ears were unstopped. They were there when the lame man walked. They were there when the dead raised to life again. They were there when the broken bread and the broken fish was multiplied in their hands. They weren't watching from the sideline. They weren't in the nosebleed section of the bleachers. No, they weren't somewhere watching by some closed circuit television. The bread, that broken bread, that broken fish was in their hands and it just kept being multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and they knew that it started out meager and it wouldn't be enough much more than just for one boy to have lunch, not much more than just one, but it kept being broken and blessed and broken and blessed and broken and blessed. They were there when it happened. They were there, those same hands too up 12 baskets of remains of leftovers. Amen. Jesus was concerned. If Jesus was concerned that those that were there would forget, then how much more do you think he's concerned about you and I, amen, that have the opportunity to disconnect and if and if, and if, 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 if everything goes as the normal schedule we won't even be back here until Wednesday. If it goes as normal we won't even be back again until the next Sunday. Amen. Not walking with him every day. Not smelling him every day, not touching him every day, not seeing miracles and signs and wonders every day in the distracting world in which we live when everything is bidding for our attention, amen, from these things that we hold in our hand to the things that we hold in our lap, amen, some of that I know is necessary tools but I'm going to tell you, don't let the devil use it to be a toy to distract you away from the power and the presence of God because the Lord said, do you understand what 
what I have done. That's what he said to the disciples. But I believe he could walk in this door today and he could walk to this pulpit and he could look at the congregation of Hatchby and Apostolic Church and he could say, do you know what I've done for you today? Do you know what I've done for you today? It ought to be enough to keep a praise in our heart, in our lips 24-7. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, yes. Amen. It ought to be enough that the last thing our companion hears tonight is us speaking with other tongues. Our children hear us lost in the spirit and the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. I don't say this in a condemning way. No, I don't say this in a condemning way. But I'm telling you, the Lord can say, do you know what I've done for you today? Oh, my God. Man, I would just preach to us Pentecostals a little while. We are spoiled brats. We are spoiled brats. You hear me? Amen. Don't get offended. Amen. Just pull your feelings back in. We are spoiled. We're spoiled. Amen. We, we are so spoiled. We, we come in. The presence of God is here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when it is Sunday morning. It doesn't matter Wednesday evening. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Amen. We can be having something in the dining hall. Amen. It doesn't matter. We come together and the presence of God just sweeps in. Amen. Do you know, I don't mean this the way it probably is going to sound, but I wonder today if we know how many people in this community would give everything they had to feel 10 minutes of what we've been bathing in this morning. Amen. What we've just been saying, thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. And God forbid that while we sit in the presence of the Lord, we're trying to figure out where we're going to go, what time we're going to get out. Amen. What, what's this all going to wrap up? I'll tell you what we need to do is just say, Lord, have your way until. Amen. Stay among us until. Until the blind see. The deaf hear. The lost are filled with the Holy Ghost. The sinners are convicted. Stay with us. Stay with us. Stay with us. Because the Lord is looking at us today. The ultimate question, do you know what I have done? Do you know what I've done? So concerned that we would forget. That's why he said of the bread and the cup, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. I do believe if we did it too often, it would just be something else we do. I believe if we did it every Sunday, I believe we did it once a month, it'd just be just something else in the calendar. Just, and don't forget the communion cups. Don't forget it would just be all just part of a big planning session. So I think that's why the Lord said we're just going to leave that up to you. But as often as you do this, remember. Remember, simply put, Jesus' greatest desire was for us to not forget what he's done for us. Well, I know we could say, how could we forget? But we do. You let the Lord be 30 seconds late according to our time clock. (laughs) Amen. So... The great question presented to us today 
is will we remember all the wonderful things God has done for us. Hallelujah. No one. If, if we simply remember what God has done for us up to now, no one will ever have to ask us to pray. It, we won't just be fasting because the church is having a corporate fast. No one will have to ask us to give. Nobody will have to admonish us to worship. No one will have to prod us to witness. The Lord will never, 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 never have to remind us to trust Him. Amen. If we remember what the Lord has done for us, amen, nobody has to remind us to be faithful to His house. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. These things will be in us. And the fruit of that labor will be evident in our lives collectively. Now this decision cannot be made in a vacuum. And it is a decision that cannot wait for tomorrow. It's a decision that must be made today. And I'm just going to tell you as your pastor and shepherd. We need, I need everyone in this church to cash it all in. We're too distracted. Every time the devil throws something shiny to us, we're off there and we're off there. I'm going to tell you today, just because we can don't mean we should. I don't want to be too distracted. I don't want to be too distracted. Amen. We need everybody to cash in. And we must rise to the level that God is calling us to. And we cannot ignore the things that God has entrusted to us as a church Therefore, we've got to be willing to embrace the call of God on our lives. I'm preaching to us. This is not a message for a church down the road. This is not a message for a church across the state. This is a message to this church. I'm preaching to us today. Please forgive me if this sounds redundant or self-serving. But in just a couple of weeks, as of January the 14th, will mark the 35th anniversary that God called my family and I here to serve as your pastor. And we came here because we were certain that God had sent us. However, God, as I have often said, doesn't just send ministers to a church. He also calls saints to a church. Many of you, many of you have talked to me privately and you've said it publicly that you felt God called you here. I'm looking at people the Lord called here and I want to thank you from the deepest part of my being for your faithfulness. We have walked together through many storms. Storms that took the collective effort of all to get through it. There have been seasons when my wife and I held your hands during trying and stressful situations that you weren't sure you were going to survive. But we just kept holding hands. And we just kept walking together. We trusted you. You trusted us. And together we trusted God. And in the pitch black midnight of hopelessness. A ray of, shine, of light began to shine. And we collectively just kept walking toward that light.
And by the same token, there have been seasons in plenty when you all turned those tables on us and you held our hands while we endured seasons of uncertainty. Times that we weren't sure we were going to survive. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to go. Aren't you the preacher? Mm Mm-hmm. Aren't you the pastor? Mm Mm-hmm. Aren't you called to be a servant of the Lord? Mm Mm-hmm. But we still live in the same world you live in. And the same things that affect you land in our home. They show up on our doorstep. Amen. I'm sure I'm not alone in this statement, but my wife and I have said many times through the years... not talking about church things at all. Please don't read more into this than I'm saying. But we say often, for people who do their best to mind their own business, I can't imagine how things find their way to our front door. And the next as you know, you're just in the throes of it all. <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody here, nothing here. I'm just talking about life. I see you glancing around. But you just kept praying for us. And you refused to let go of our hands. And you just kept walking. And we just kept walking together. And in the throes of that same darkness, that recognizable light has come. Amen. Through the years, I have asked the Lord to help me never give you or him just a partial effort. Every time I walk to this desk, I want to give everything I have. If the house is full, amen, if the house is not full, amen, I want to give everything that I have. I want to wake up every morning and ask the Lord afresh, help me to feel the weight and the responsibility of the kingdom. And so this morning, I'm reaching for everyone to be more committed than you have ever been. Amen. Let's commit ourselves to the work of God, and I'm asking you, I'm asking you to be committed to this church, not just the church, but this church, committed, committed, committed. Lord, help us do this together. Amen. Today is Commitment Sunday, and, and, and I know I've already preached a long time, and uh, so I'm going to try to thread through some of this, and I know we place a lot of emphasis often in our building fund and missions and things of that nature, and those things are important, and I just want to say that I've never lost my hope of what God has promised to do in this very place. Amen. I promise you that. I promise you that. But I will tell you this this morning, that as we make commitments for those things today, it won't matter what we give and commit to monetarily if God has an undivided heart. What he wants is our heart. (laughs) Amen. That's what he wants is our heart. And that's what I want to underline. Recommitting ourselves, it's been said already in this service, but recommitting ourselves to the basics. Prayer, fasting, the word of God, devotional time, faithfulness to the house of God. What a powerful combination. You just can't beat the fundamental things of God. Amen. There have been recent messages preached from this pulpit, some from our own ministers and from outside guests about this church and its future, and I believe them with all of my heart 
I don't want us to expend energy on things for the sake of just doing something. But I want the ministries of our church to be meaningful. And that's why our focus in 24 is going to be as intentional as possible. Brother Everett Bird mentioned it earlier in our service. But tomorrow we begin 30 days of prayer. I'm asking you to take this serious. Let's take this serious. Prayer guys are in the foyer. Let's do this together. January, if you've already been in our announcements, an array of special guest speakers, Brother Mike Wilson, Brother Coley Reese, and Brother Justin Rogers, and these fresh voices will challenge our church as we move forward in 24. We're planning a revival weekend on February the 15th, 16th, on the February the 16th, 17th, and 18th. These services will have an intentional reach into the Spanish constituents of our church and community. Pastor Michael Vargas and his family from Clewiston will be with us Friday night and Saturday afternoon evening for services and fellowship on Saturday as well. These two nights are going to include services not only for our Spanish adults but also for their children. And we're going to have services here and in our dining hall for the children. And then on Sunday morning, Brother and Sister Vargas and their family are going to be with us for an English-speaking service. I've asked Brother Vargas if the Lord directs and will allow. I want him to have the latitude, but I've asked him to share his personal testimony. Absolutely incredible. Unbelievable. What God can do. <laughs> you talking about God coming to me. My my goodness, and if you think I'm just trying to tease you for the sake of teasing, I'm not trying to do that, but if, you, if, if, if it's working, we'll go with it. <laughs> our spring semester for our connect groups are going to remain focused on keeping the church connected and keeping our guests connected through outreach. In just a few weeks, the 15th of January, we're going to begin some much-needed renovations here at the church, and, and uh, we've been talking about this for a little while, but due to circumstances beyond our control. We've had some unfortunate setbacks, but we hope to be on track for that date. Amen. I want to thank those working behind the scenes to make this possible, putting their brains to work, and, and we appreciate that, and we'll talk about that more as we get closer. But the most important thing we can do is find it in our hearts to recommit ourselves to the work that God has called us to do. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. Amen. We have something that we're going to be introducing in, in a few services. We want to make ministry opportunities available. We want to underline them. Amen. We're going to be asking people to say, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I said a few weeks ago, not to keep on, uh, certainly not to embarrass or try to overpraise my wife but she has been committed for months every Sunday morning going through our children's our annex and those classrooms and praying God to the Lord of the harvest send souls send children send children Lord send children Lord amen send young people send families God amen God help us to be committed I'm asking you today how many would join her amen and say Lord here am I I'll join you. Amen. We'll go there. 
We'll walk through there. If you can't be there before church, if you can't be there before service, before they're in there preparing, what about after church, lingering just a little while and going back there, walking through those rooms? I'm not going to get in the car. I'm not going to go to the restaurant until I've walked through those rooms and said, God, just anoint these rooms and fill them with another generation. Fill them. Amen. In that generation, there's going to be, and there's going to be leaders, Lord. We don't know who's going to be in there that's going to be touched. We have no idea. Amen. We have no idea. Praise God. We've come to a special moment in our service. Our communion is a, not a religious ceremony, it is a statute in the Word of God. And I believe that communion accomplishes and or can accomplish several things in our life. I think that in this memorial, we in this memorial, we first partake of the bread. It's symbolic of Christ's body that was broken for us. Communion speaks to us, reminds us what I've been talking about today. The death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. The death, the full, the full lineage of suffering which was paid for our sins. Jesus took the cup and the bread and, and he transformed them into meaningful spiritual experiences for all believers. Common things. He made uncommon. He made uncommon. However, the value of this experience depends on the condition of the heart of those that participate. I believe that communion gives us an opportunity for spiritual growth and blessings. This is not a New Year's resolution. Please hear me. Those soon fly out the window. For all of us. Not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about committing ourselves. If you're familiar with Jeremiah 18, I'm talking about people crawling back up on top of that potter's wheel and saying, mold me and make me again. Amen. So let's consider what it takes for us to receive the blessings of God. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come at the same time. I'm going to ask our ushers to prepare to serve the communion. And if you would like to participate this morning, they will gladly serve you while I make some, some more remarks. Now, we're doing a, a little bit different this year. You'll notice a couple of things different. Um, we normally have serving trays. We're doing a little bit different this year. We're using off our offering bags, and so those look familiar to you, and they are familiar to you. And uh, so as they come by, just reach inside and take a cup. But just if I could just have one public service announcement. This is the one time that we ask you to take something out of the offering bag. <laughs> Not generally how we do it. Communion is a time for observation. It's a time we look back. That's what I've been talking about today, looking back. Broken bread reminds us of his body he gave for us. It's also a time to look ahead, forward. I'm not just talking about forward to 2024, but I'm talking about to that eastern sky, to the soon return, the soon return of the Lord. Oh, amen. I don't have to get into all of this today to convince you it's everywhere evident. Amen. The stage is set. Jesus could come at any moment. At any moment. At any moment. It's also a time to look within. Examine our own heart. And We've been announcing our communion service for many, many weeks. We do that intentionally because I pray that, that, that you will take that time to say, Lord, help me to be ready. I've, 
I've seen people through the years, I've seen people, church people, saints of God through the years that say, I'm not going to take communion because I don't think my heart's right. Well, I would be more concerned about the trumpet sounding than taking communion. Amen. I don't want to live one moment without my heart being right. Don't let the enemy let you fall for that trick. Amen. Get right. That's what we're doing. We're getting right. You may not be perfect when you leave here, but this is going to be a great start. We're taking the etch-a-sketch of your heart and we're shaking it over our head. We're saying, Lord, help me to be a better me tomorrow. Look ahead. Look within. Amen. We, we, if, we, if we don't judge our own sins, then God's going to do it. And so I'm just asking you today, don't leave here something with something undone in your life because you're in the, power, you're in the presence of one that can do something about that. I think we all should look around as well. I think we should look at the church body around us. Amen. If there's a problem, if there's an ought, if there's an indifference, if there's a disagreement, it's probably going to mean we're all human. That's probably what it's going to mean. Let's get it right. Amen. We're all filled with the Holy Ghost. We're all grown. Lord, help us. Amen. Help us. I want to look around because I can't get closer to the Lord being separated from my fellow church family. Amen. The identity of the church is summarized. John 13 and 35. By this shall all men know you're mine. If you have love one to another. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.